Welcome to the Styano Plastic Surgery Podcast with plastic surgeon JJ Styano, the only plastic surgeon in the UK who owns a clinic specializing in breast and body contouring. Let's uh, get this show on the road and let me begin with a question that I have been given, which I have got right here. Question goes a little bit something like this. Sometimes I look at these questions and I, and I look at the questions, you know, a little bit before the broadcast. And I do think I should have done a bit of research about the answer to the question prior to coming on here. But, you know, it is what it is. We're here now. Otherwise, it just never gets done. So, you know, look on the bright side. I'm here. Um, but I, I do regret not doing a bit more research on this question. But anyway, I'm going to do my best. So the question goes something like this. Do you have any surgeons who specialize in relatively non-invasive stitch otoplasty or ear stitch technique? So in general terms, I'll answer this um, because... There's different ways of doing otoplasty. I'm not entirely sure what they're talking about when they're saying relatively non-invasive stitch otoplasty, because there are some techniques, for instance, in facelifts, where they just put a subcutaneous just underneath the skin, they'll put a stitch to lift the face, and that's not less invasive than making a cut. I'm not aware of any techniques of otoplasty, which is basically reshaping the ear, where they have this sort of less invasive method apart from the ear fold of course which is the little metal clip thing um but i don't know of any sort of less invasive stitch techniques and having said that there are stitch techniques basically an otoplasty reshaping the cartilage of the ear there's broadly speaking two techniques to do an otoplasty one technique is to reshape the cartilage and you reshape the cartilage by by scoring the cartilage so you've got a piece of cartilage like that and you score it. Now, the problem with that is that when you score it, if you score, like if you get a piece of cardboard or something like that, and you score it, the cartilage will bend away from the scores. I should have done it like that because my hand doesn't bend that way. <laughs> it bends it bends away. So if, if I'll do it like this. So if you do scores like that, it bends away from the scores. So the scores sort of open up and the cartilage bends away from the scores. So when you have a prominent ear, you want the cartilage to bend backwards. So you want to score the cartilage on the front. So it's called an anterior scoring technique. So you need to score the cartilage on the front, but we don't want to give you a scar on the front. So we give you a scar on the back. So we make a scar on the back and we deglove the ear. So you have to make a cut through the cartilage full thickness, but not going through the skin at the front of the ear. And then you peel the, the skin off the anterior cartilage and then you score it to make it bend back. And then you stitch up the skin. That's, probably the most common technique of doing um, uh, ear, uh, otoplasty. The other technique is by putting stitches in the, in, the, in the cartilage. So in that respect, it is a less invasive because you don't have to deglove the ear. You don't have to get to the front of the cartilage. You put stitches in the back of the cartilage and you put stitches cartilage to cartilage to, 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 to bend, you know, to bend it like that. And then you can also do cartilage to mastoid, mastoid being that bit of bone there sort of pull the whole ear back and um, I think that's what they're talking about where they're talking about the ear sti stitch technique um, 
I don't really do this anymore. I used to do it and I used to do, I have done both techniques. I tend to move back towards the anterior scoring so I can get more predictable results with it. Although I understand a lot of people, well, not a lot of people, but some people who are particularly doing a lot of ears are moving towards the stitch technique because there's less complications associated with it. Because actually, I think this question said about the head bandage and things, because you have to wear a head bandage and thing after an ear um, correction. But when you're doing the stitch technique, because you're not, you know, degloving the ear so much, there are less risks, less complications associated with the ear stitch technique. Anytime anyone tries to tell you one technique is better, like I've just said there, there's less risk and complications associated with the ear stitch technique. So what you're gonna, what you should instantly be thinking is why would anyone do the anterior scoring technique? Well, the reason is that the ear stitch technique relies on those stitches. So if at any time those stitches um, break or, or, or um, come undone, the, the ear will go back again. The stitches, you've got to be very careful because there's not a whole, a whole lot of soft tissue cover there. You've got to be very careful. You don't feel the knots or, or feel feel the, the um, stitches because if you can feel the knot and it's knots, you're always going to be able to feel the knots. And um, you've got to be very careful of getting wound healing problems because if you get a wound healing problem, because often we use permanent sutures. So um, it's one of the very few areas where, I mean, it's, it's personal what suture you use, but it's one of the very few areas well, you use a permanent braided suture. So a braided suture is like a shoelace as opposed to a monofilament suture. So there's two types of sutures, braided and monofilament. Those are the two sort of structures of suture. So a monofilament is like a fishing line. Braided is like a, um, a, a shoelace or, a, or a, a, a rope that you'd you know tie a ship up with. And the good thing about the braided ones is they grip a lot better. There's a lot more friction with a braided suture. Like if you try and shoot, try your shoelaces with a with a shoelace, it grips. Where if, if you try to do it with a fishing line, you try and tighten it, and then you let go, and the, and the, the tension would go. So the braided sutures are much better at gripping. That's why, and, and so adjusting the tension is, is easier with a braided suture. The problem with a braided suture is because it's like a shoelace. You get little bits of potential for infection basically there's more risk of infection with a braided suture compared to a monofilament um, and so if you do get an infection in a braided suture particularly as i say I use a braided permanent suture so if you get an infection in the sutures that you're using behind the ear you have to remove that suture and then obviously you've lost the um, control of the shape of the ear so there are risks with both of them but basically there's risks with using sutures and with using the anterior scoring technique um, and it is up to the surgeon. The reason at the beginning I said I should have done a bit of research is because I don't know. So Kuram is the main guy who does this. I don't know if he does the stitch technique. Um, uh, I don't know if he favours one or will do one in certain circumstances. So the the essence that requires an answer in this in this question I haven't got because I don't know if we've got any surgeons who do the um, stitch technique. Um, but I thought there you go. But anyway, that's what the stitch technique is compared to the um, the anterior scoring technique. So a uh, little bit of background there on the different types of uh, ear um, reshaping surgery or otoplasty or pinoplasty, same thing. Um, so yeah. So that's it, Khan's in the house. Good to see you, Khan. Nice to see you here uh, this evening. I uh, hope you're well. Um, that is. There you go, good to see you. Um, if the, this is a, a comment, and, and I think I'm understanding it correctly. It was a comment that I got on YouTube um, saying, 
I want a breast reduction. Can you just remove them? That would be great or something like that, is it? So I think what it's saying is, can you just remove the breast? I think that's what it's, that's how I read it. Can you just remove them? Um, and it's not uncommon for people, both men and women, actually. Actually, it normally comes from men, this, who, who've got um, gynecomastia, excess breast tissue. Um, that they just say, I want them gone. I don't want, I don't want them, you know, I just don't want breasts, basically. Um, and what they're asking for is the equivalent of a mastectomy that you would do for cancer. So obviously with a mastectomy, you'd remove the, uh, you'd remove the whole breast. But it is really not, I can, I can completely understand it. And I don't think um, this person meant the question in the, um, uh, literally, but I will sort of answer it literally that you do, you would do not or would not, or at least I would not uh, remove a breast for a breast reduction. Because if you don't have anything there at all, again, this goes for men and women, it can give an abnormal shape to the chest and the torso. When you do a mastectomy on someone who has had breast cancer, when you, when you do remove all of the breast tissue, um, there is almost a concavity, but there's a, there's, a, there's a definite flattening of the chest. It is not a normal chest contour. So uh, it, is, it is important to try and maintain a normal chest contour. And um, uh, for, for, that's mainly for a man. Um, and for a woman, you want to have a bit of tissue there. I completely understand how they can be too large and uh, cumbersome and uncomfortable and cause symptoms and, and cause all sorts of problems. But really, the answer is not to do a mastectomy. Um, I think what you're probably asking there is for a bigger breast reduction. And if you really want if you've got really, really big breasts, and this is something we'd have to uh, see you in the clinic to uh, examine you, and you want them to be sort of as small as possible, then you're going down the route of a free nipple graft where you take the nipple off and you put it back on, um, which has uh, potential complications with taking the nipple off, but it does mean that you can make the breast smaller because you don't have that pedicle, that uh, stalk of tissue that goes to the nipple. So free nipple graft would probably be more what I would be thinking of in someone who's saying, um, can you just remove the breast? Um, but uh, I, I wouldn't uh, do a, a, a form of mastectomy. Obviously, if um, it, it's sort of gender reassignment when um, female to male, you're looking at removing the breast, but that is a specialist area, which is not something that I do. Um, so you'd have to be referred to someone who specializes in that sort of um, procedure and works in a multidisciplinary team um, but for a female requesting a breast reduction no I wouldn't remove the breast per se but I would talk to you about what sort of reduction could be achieved and I would always aim to um, leave breast tissue there and give a a, 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 a shape that's in keeping with your frame and one of the big things I guess about any surgery in particularly this sort of surgery is very subjective and it is trying to get aligned with patients and uh, both from my point of view and from your point of view as a patient you need to see if the surgeon's aligned with you and if you think the surgeon's not aligned with you for instance if this patient uh, comes to see me and I say look I'm not going to do a mastectomy etc for all these reasons uh, and they think hold on a minute I'm, I'm the patient you know I'm, I'm going to you know request what I want fair enough but 
you know, I'm maybe not your surgeon then, you know, maybe we're not aligned then. Maybe you can find a, a surgeon who is more aligned with you. And I think it is uh, quite subjective, a lot of these things and a lot of these questions about doing certain techniques and certain ways of doing surgeries. And we all have our own views about how we do them and what sort of results we want to achieve. And uh, I will obviously try and give the patient the result they want. And I will show them some results of some of my cases and give them my view on what an aesthetically pleasing chest looks like. But if that is not your view or is that, or if that is not their view, then, um, you know, maybe, maybe another surgeon's a good fit. Um, I've changed a bit in my, in my time because sometimes I, um, I show photos of, of things, maybe tummy tucks or whatever, to be honest with you, breast reduction, anything. And people will look at them and go, oh, my God, look at those scars. My Lord alive. Um, and I think there was a time when I'd be like, yeah, but they're quite early, those scars, and they're a bit red. You know, normally they're not quite as bad as that. Um, I'm not like that anymore. I'm, I'm like, yeah, those are the scars. You know, those, those are the scars. Those are real cases that I'm showing. You know, I try and show a, a spectrum of cases rather than just sort of showcasing the best cases I've ever had in in my life. You know, that would be a, a, a highway to to unhappiness if you just show patients all your best cases. So I try and show my, um, you know, a, a spectrum of realistic cases. And if you look at them and say, look at those scars, look at that shape. I don't think that breast proportion looks good. Um, you know, I don't think that's a very good result. Maybe you might think um, I'd be like, yeah, OK, well, that's a that is a real result. And that patient's happy. She's letting me show you her photos um, and I'm happy to show you her photos. So if you don't think that's a good result, then, um, you know, that's the sort of results that I get. So. Try, you know, because I'm all about trying to get a happy patient. And sometimes I don't align with patients and they, my expectations don't align with their expectations. Uh, and, and I'd rather actually not operate in those situations. I'd rather, um, you know, not operate and have an unhappy patient who I haven't operated on than operate on someone and have an unhappy patient. That's the, um, it's better. Better to have an, an un, not to have an unhappy patient at all, obviously. Obvs. So try and avoid the unhappiness. Who's who's? I mean, question about breast rate. How do we get onto this anyway? That's the that's my ethos. That's my that's my um, that's a bit about me anyway. Rambling away. Uh, Amy Summerbonny is in the house. Amy Summerbonny, how are you? I hope you're well. I'm looking forward to seeing you. And um, yeah. Good to see you. Corinne is in the house and Corinne is counting down the days till December the 20th. I've got it on my wall, Corinne, and I'm counting down the days, honestly. Uh, December the 20th. Yeah, absolutely. Big day. Um, this is a weird one. Why did they put why did they put this question here? Answer this on a postcard, please. Do we remove moles located on the back of the ear? What kind of question is that? Am I missing something? Moles located? Well, yes. Yeah. Essentially, we will remove moles on any part of the body. Um, I think I can safely say that. We will remove moles on any part of the body. Um, right. Where would we not? Well, maybe on your eyeball. If you had a bit of pigmentation on your eyeball, wouldn't do that. Um, yeah. Anywhere. I mean sort of anus, vagina maybe, vagina not so much, anus if you are about the sphincter and things, but to be honest with you, anywhere, because you can get moles, you can get melanomas, you can get um, 
you know, problem moles in any part, any bit of skin. Um, so we will remove them anywhere. So back of the ears, a no-brainer. Back of the ears, a defo. I'm not quite sure why we wouldn't remove more. I'd like to ask this person, unless I'm missing something. And also we'll move moles of any size. Um, I don't, you know, when, when you, you know, plastic, there's a lot of people who remove moles, dermatologists, GPs. Um, I'm not sure if GPs do it so much these days, but certainly there's a lot of sort of doctors who will remove moles. But when they get really big and there's a problem, who do they call? They call this guy. Uh, well, maybe not. <laughs> not me but the, the plastic surgeons so basically we can remove moles of any size in any location i think i can safely say except the eyeball i'm going to put the eyeball as a let's say um as a disclaimer a little star by that but I, I i challenge you to think of an area that we would not remove a mole um back of the ears an, an easy one um maybe we, i should get them to make i should i should put the question should i do we remove moles on the eyeball i mean that would be a good question that'd be a no. i'm not saying it's not a good question you know obviously um Elaine Harland, hello, good to see you here tonight. Your hair's looking good. Amy is in the YouTube. Good to see you, Amy. Uh and then Amy, oh, we've got a, a quite pop Amy. We should do marketing to Amy's because Amy's quite a, a a special plastic surgeon with a special interest in Amy. You know, Amy. Not too bad, thanks. Amy, nice to see you soon. Good to hear, Amy. Good to hear. I've seen your photos looking great. Um uh, Elaine, hello, looking forward to meeting you in person next Wednesday. I'm very much looking forward to that as well. Elaine, very much looking forward to that, seeing that, seeing that pink hair next Wednesday. Um, so yeah, obviously we remove moles on the back of the ear, guys. What about this one? Do we offer steroid injections to the under 18s? So the answer is no. And the reason it's a no is simply because we are not allowed to treat people who are under 18. There's nothing wrong with doing steroid injections to people who are under 18. Um, so steroid injections are for lumpy hypertrophic slash keloid scars. So that's why we would do steroid injections and they're for ugly lumpy scars. So um, it is fine to do steroid injections in people who are under 18, but we are just simply the CQC have just said, um, you know, you can't see anyone under 18. And these days I see all my patients at my clinic. I don't see them in the hospital anymore if i saw them in the hospital actually in the hospital i probably wouldn't be able to actually thinking about it because i don't treat under you know you have to be a pediatric plastic surgeon so kuram is a pediatric plastic surgeon vicky is a pediatric plastic surgery nurse but the clinic is not sort of um whatever box ticked for children you know we, we just the, the the bureaucracy was too great i'm sorry to say and the the the, the number of children we treat is very small anyway so um, I'm terribly sorry that if you have if you need a steroid injection, if you have a mole that you don't like or uh, ears often is, is with children, you know, we just um, unfortunately can't treat, treat them. And you know what? The hospitals are finding it difficult as well. There's so much bureaucracy and it is a shame, really, because, you know, 15, 16, 17 year olds, you know what they're like. They're huge, but they're still classed as children. So, yeah, we can't treat anyone under 18. Um, so, yeah. So no for that one. Sorry about that. Do we offer liposuction on the neck, double chin? I don't know if the regular listeners will um, will have anything to say about this, but has this question, is it me or has this question appeared in like the last two lives? I don't know. Maybe it has. But anyway, no, we don't. It is a good place for liposuction. Oh, sorry. 
Uh, yeah, yeah. It's a good place for liposuction, but um, don't really do facial stuff. Do moles, as I said, moles at the back of the ear and other parts of the face, but uh, don't really do. Um, no, liposuction to the neck, but as I say, it is a good place to do liposuction. Is it possible to place an expander? Uh, sorry, for an expander to be placed to make it easier for that tattoo to be removed. Uh, this is someone on YouTube who uh, has commented on one of my videos who is um, the preface to this question was that she's saying, I think it's just above her ankle, tattoo above the ankle, bad place for a tattoo, more uh, well, bad place for a scar because the skin is tight, there's not much spare skin. And so when the skin is tight, when you have a big thing, be it a tattoo, be it a scar, be it a mole, um, a birthmark, whatever it is, if you've got a big thing that we can't cut out and stitch together, if it is too tight to cut out and stitch together uh, in one go, we got three options. Broadly speaking, three options. One option is to uh, import a bit of skin. So if it has to go straight away, so if it's a cancer, for instance, um, and it has to go, you know, there's no question, we've got to get rid of this and, and we've got a big, big, big hole there that we've got to fill. Um, so that's that's that comes into the reconstructive world of plastic surgery where you've got to, you know, you often have big holes that you've got to fill. Um, and so then, then, then you've got to import skin. Uh, and that can be either be done with a skin graft, which is taking a piece of skin off and putting it back on again, or it can be done with a flap, which is keeping a bit, making a piece of skin nearby attached and, and moving across, sort of broadly speaking. Um, for cosmetic reasons, for, for scar revisions, for moles and birthmarks and tattoos and things, I wouldn't do any skin importation procedures. I wouldn't do any skin grafts and I wouldn't do any flaps because they look unsightly. They do not look as good as the normal skin that was there. So um, that is out in my book. Um, I do not do skin grafts or, or flaps for, uh, for, for these things, which are elective things. They don't have to go in one go. You can take them off in, off in pieces. So if you're not gonna do, so that, that's option one, so that's out in, in my uh, repertoire. Although, as I say, there are plastic surgeons out there who, who, who might do it, but that, that sort of thing. But in my view, they, they look worse than the, the thing you had. So it, uh, that leaves us with two options. And the two options are utilising a, um, a uh, something of the skin, property of the skin, which means when you put the skin under tension, more skin grows. It's called the stress relaxation phenomenon. And what that means is when you put the skin under stress, when you put it, when you make it tight, more skin grows. That is the concept of pregnancy. So if you were to try and put a full term fetus inside the abdomen of a, of a woman, you know, with, who's straight away sort of thing, it would no way fit. The only way it fits is because it gradually grows over nine months. So that's how it fits in there, because what happens is it grows a little bit, stretches this little skin, bit of the skin, skin gets under tension and it's tight, but then after a while more skin grows. And so it goes, all oh, right, that's no, no longer under tension. 
and then a little bit more tension as the fetus grows a bit more, a bit more tension, a bit more tension, a bit more tension. So then by term fetus, and more you've got more skin there than you had before. And that's the reason why people need a tummy tuck, because you deliver the fetus and you've got too much skin there, like where the hell will that skin come from? But anyway, that, that's that's the stress relaxation phenomenon. And there's two ways you can utilize that if you want to remove a big thing that you can't cut out in one go. The first way you can utilize that is do something called tissue expansion, which is what this patient is asking about. And tissue expansion is equivalent of like what the, the fetus does. So you put an empty plastic bag in basically next to the area. So if you have a, in this example, a tattoo, um, so next to the tattoo onto normal skin, you put an empty plastic bag and the plastic bag has a little valve and uh, that you can percutaneous through the skin. You can stick a needle into the valve and blow it up. So you put it in and you blow it up a little bit and you don't blow it up too much because it's sort of going to be a bit tight. And then you say, look, come back in a couple of weeks once the wound's all healed, because you have to make a cut to put it in, come back in a couple of weeks and I am going to blow it up a bit more. And you put a needle in just in the clinic through the skin, you find this port, put it in, blow it up and then and you go, oh, crack, that's enough. Oh, that feels really tight. So you go, okay, that's enough. Come back in a week or two weeks. It depends on how, you know, you can do it in a week or two weeks. Come back. You come back in two weeks. Oh, that's not tight anymore. Remember when you did it? It was really tight. It's not tight anymore. So you inject a bit more saline. Oh, it's tight now. Two weeks. Inject more. Oh, it's tight now. And it gradually expands. Same as what a fetus does. And then by the end of the time, you've got this big plastic bag underneath your skin. I have taken, I, I've taken the liberty of going onto uh, the internet and showing you a, and finding it. Oh, damn it. I should have put it on Instagram. Damn it. Sorry, Instagram. So this is it. This is a, oh, damn, that's bad of me, isn't it? Sorry. Anyway, it's basically a picture of a big bag on someone's arm with a sort of scar next to it and a big bag underneath the skin. So that is the concept of tissue expansion. You put a bag in and you gradually blow it up and it relies on the stress relaxation phenomenon. I don't do this on the limbs. There's a few areas where it works well. The breast, it works really well. So for breast reconstruction, it's a technique we use. Put an empty plastic, do a mastectomy, close up the skin, it's all tight because you've taken all the skin out. Put a, then, then um, years later, if you want a reconstruction, you can put a bag in underneath the skin and then gradually blow it up to stretch the skin. So um, tissue expander works well there. Often in the scalp, road trackers lose a lot of your hair bearing area in the skin, or if you've got cancer or something, you can put a big tissue expander in that hair bearing area and uh, blow it up. And then, um, and then you've got extra skin that then you can take the tissue expander out and then got loads of floppy skin that then you can use to reconstruct the defect that you make when you cut the, the, uh, the scar or whatever it is out. So um, I don't do it on the limbs. So the reason I don't do it on the limbs is because it has got a high complication rate. Tissue expanders have got a high complication rate. They're unwieldy, they're unsightly. It is good because it's only two operations um, because only one to put it in and then one to take it out. It's difficult to reconstruct. There's never quite as much skin as you think you've got. You've got this massive expander and you take it out. You've never got quite as much skin as you think you've got. So it's fraught with difficulties for doing it on the limbs. So personally, I don't really do it on the limbs. Um, and I don't really do it for, for these sorts of indications for tattoos, etc. What I do is the same concept, but the other way around, if you can get your head around this, so I don't know if anyone's still with me. I don't know if I've lost the audience, but anyway, I'm going to I'm going to push on. So the concept is you've got a big tattoo. You cut as much of it as you can. You stitch it up. It's really tight. You're like, oh my god, that's really tight, man. That's so tight. And then you come back in a couple. Of, well, to be honest, I leave it three or four months, not a couple of weeks, because you need to get that wound to heal. So it's a bit different because you'll get the wound to heal. So you leave it three or four months, and it's no longer tight. And then you can cut another bit out. 
leave it three or four months, then you can cut that big out. So that's called serial excision. So it's the same principle as tissue expansion, but the other way around. You're cutting out a bit at a time rather than putting a big bag in and stretching out the skin. And it is my preferred technique for doing big tattoos. So this tattoo on the leg might be appropriate for um, serial excision, but personally, I wouldn't use a tissue expander. Personally, I don't use them on the limbs. I think it's quite well regarded amongst plastic surgeons that tissue expansion on the limbs it has got quite a high complication rate, and I don't think many people will um, embrace it. But you might find someone who does. I don't know. You know, who knows? That picture's there. Um, so you know, someone's obviously drawn a picture of it. So there you go. Um, so um, yeah. So that's my view about tissue expanders. Uh, Amy Jade, what you got to say? Can you cut around the natural shaped areola? Do you aim for a neat surround circle for a reason or is it just what others usually want? Have I missed something, Amy? What are we talking about here? We're we talking about breast lifts and stuff. Can you cut around the natural shaped areola? Yes, you can. Do you aim for a neat circle for a reason? Um, yeah, when, so I'm gonna run with this, Amy. Stop me if I'm going down the wrong line. So when you're doing surgery on the breast, you often uh, relocate the areola and you for breast reduction in the breast lift. So yes, you cut around the areola and you always cut it circular because the perception is the areola is round. So the reason for it is what yeah what people want and people can you can specify the dimensions if you want. Sometimes people want it smaller. You know, four centimeters is sort of normal for an areola, but. You know, I, do, I wouldn't do it less than three, but three and a half, four centimeters is sort of normal. Um, and I always say to people, it never ends up round. So even if you um, you aim for it to be round, it's a nice round, neat circle. But to be honest with you, it pretty much off, you know, usually ends up a bit oblong. But if you look at that areolas, they usually are a bit oblong. Um, they're a bit wider in one dimension than the other. They're not quite perfectly round. But um, not sure where you're going there, Amy. Is it, do you not want a round one? Tell me you're saying or no? Anyway, yeah, but you you aimed for it to be round, but sometimes it doesn't end up round. Um, is lymphatic drainage massage treatment suitable after having a full abdominoplasty? Now, people do talk about this, and to be honest with you, I've got, I've got to be honest with you now. I am constantly looking for ways to improve the service that I give to patients, and uh, lymphatic drainage. Jackie's here. Lymphatic drainage is something that does come up from time to time, but it is not something that I have particularly embraced or that I particularly recommend. I'd be interested to hear if anyone is out there who has got a view about that, um, about whether lymphatic drainage is a good thing or not after uh, abdominoplasty. Um, I would be, you know, I would be very interested to to hear their view on that because, um, you know. I haven't got a strong view, so I don't particularly talk to people about it. However, if someone specifically asks me, you know, is it suitable? So that, that question, is it suitable? Yes, it is suitable. People do talk about it. And I would imagine it'd be quite nice having massage and having some attention, you know, um, put on you. Whether it is, you know, it is beneficial, I don't know. So I don't know what the benefits are or if there are significant benefits in having lymphatic drainage um, after a full abdominoplasty, but certainly if you want to try it and you therefore feel that it's beneficial, fine. I'm not sure. I don't think there's much harm that can come from it as long as they're gentle and it's, your wounds have all healed properly. 
obviously you don't want to have sort of you know issues with that but um but certainly it is suitable and it is things that people talk about but not something i particularly recommend not because i don't recommend it not because i'm negative about it but just because i don't know enough about it so it's not that i i'm not i neither think it's good or bad i would really need to look into it to see whether it's uh, um it's it's a good thing or, or not but uh, I'd be interested to know if anyone's got any views about it, good or bad. But I haven't really got any views about it myself. Um, but, yeah, people do tend to talk about it, don't they? MEJ's back at me. When having an uplift? Yes, so an uplift, yeah. I, was, I wondered, I'm wanting an uplift, but I like the natural shape of my nipples, if that makes sense. So, Amy, let's just um, let's just get a bit of... Um, bit of um, um, <laughs> I want to say bookkeeping. It's not bookkeeping. Housekeeping. A bit of housekeeping. That's the word. A bit of housekeeping now, Amy. Um, just to be just to be clear, the nipple is the bit in the middle, the bit that sticks out in the middle. So the areola is the bit around the outside. So um, and altogether, it's called the nipple areola complex (NAC). So yeah, if you like the so yes, you could cut round your natural nipple. Yes, you could cut round your natural nipple, keep it the same size as what it is. Um, so you can keep it the same size or smaller. You can't really make it bigger, but you can keep well, you can tattoo it if you want to make it bigger. But keep it the same size or smaller. Um, but that if you're having an uplift, Amy, I would not be able to guarantee that it would look exactly the same size and shape because scarring is unpredictable how the scarring settles and fades. But could certainly cut it the same as what it is now. Um, but I would probably end up, you you know, cutting it. They're normally sort of circular. But, um, yeah, certainly size-wise could be the same size. That's, that's what it is now. Gastric is in on Instagram with a question. Can always rely on gastric. Fantastic. Hashtag, not only that, hashtag ask JJ. Now the party started. Right. Why can't a size 24 just cut the fat off? Why can't a size 24 just cut the fat off? Gastric, I do salute you in many ways. You've used the hashtag, you've asked a question, you've ticked loads of boxes there. Not fully understanding the question, to be quite, why can't size 24, so size 24, someone who's big, just cut the fat off? Like a tummy tuck you're talking about here? Um, so basically, when you cut, when you do surgery, gastric, you got to do surgery localized to an area. A lot of people say, if I win the lottery, I will, you know, have plastic surgery. You're like, well, what? You know, I've won the lottery. What? What? What can you do? So, someone who's, for instance, a size to go to a size 13. Okay, someone who's a size 24 comes and sees me and says, I'm a size 24. I want to be a size 13. I'm like, right. Okay. Well, you need to lose weight. They're like, yeah, but I've just won the lottery and I want to. I want to have surgery. Well, what surgery do you want? Well, the you know, cut all the fat off. That ain't gonna work, gastric. That ain't gonna work. You can't just sort of shave. It's not like a a clay sculpture that you can sort of shave the fat off the outside in layers and make it smaller. Um, you 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 have to take localized area of fat and skin off. And plastic surgery, uh, body shaping surgery, is really for people who have lost weight. It is not a weight loss. Um, procedure. Why? Because if you do, for instance, a tummy tuck, let's say, let's take an example, a classic example, the abdomen's often a problem. 
for someone who's, for instance, a size three or whatever, or big. So if you do a tummy tuck or an apronectomy, you get rid of that apron, you take that apron off, you cut that, that overhanging bit of skin off. There is still skin left behind in the subcutaneous layers, on the back, on the, on the upper abdomen, and they, these people still look overweight because the legs, the thighs, the arms, you, you know, there, if, there is a, if there is a thick subcutaneous layer of fat all over the body, they will still lose weight. You can localize, you can address areas, you can reduce the breasts, you can reduce the abdomen, you can take a bit off the arm, take a bit off the arm, but you still got fat in the rest of the area that's left behind. So you can't really sort of liposuck the whole body down and just suck it all down and then cut skin out. It is the the um, the way to lose weight is to lose weight or to look at gastric um, uh, bariatric surgery. You know to lose to lose your body weight to globally all over your body to lose that fat. You can't. Plastic surgery is not. Yeah, even if you had the money, it is not um appropriate and i and i've seen people like this who have got the money who are um business people who are busy and their lives are busy and they're they're um you know they they can't lose weight they can't um or or at least you just say that it's never going to happen i'm not going to lose weight you know um and i'm like well i can't help you because I can do a tummy tuck on you. I can take that abdomen off, but you're not gonna. You're gonna have a bit of skin off the abdomen. You're still gonna be. You're still gonna be um, Douglas. You do need that definitely. You do. <laughs> um, but no, th these people. These people. They need to see a, um, a, a bariatric surgeon. They need to globally lose weight, lose the fat globally. And then a plastic surgeon or a body contouring surgeon will be able to contour areas of the body that are resistant. And there are certain areas which are resistant, abdomen, breasts, arms, thighs, comes up time and time again. But if you do one of these operations on someone who's overweight, first of all, they're going to have a higher risk of complications when you operate on people that are overweight. But also they're going to get a worse result because they're still going to look overweight because all you've done is cut a bit of the fat off their tummy a localized area of fat you've left behind the fat in the rest of the, all around the back all around the sides everywhere uh, there'll be a thick subcutaneous layer of fat and so they need to lose weight first so hypothetically millionaire size 24 comes and says i'll be a size 13 and I, you know here's a stack of used notes i'm really sorry i'm going to be turning you away my friend I can't help you and, and i've had that and i've had people like that and i just just cannot help you i need you to have lost the weight first and say this skin's giving me grief or this bit of fat on my hips isn't going or this is resistant to weight loss is for once you've lost weight it is not a weight loss procedure so anyone who says when i win the lottery i'm going to have liposuction it's it's nonsense absolute nonsense you know liposuction is for areas that are not responding to weight loss when you win the but i don't care i'm sure a size 12 now when you win the lottery go and see a bariatric surgeon if it's weight loss you need or a gp to help with weight loss i don't know weight loss is a whole area in itself but it's not a contouring surgeon the contour the surgery comes once people have lost weight it is not a weight loss thing the sort of surgery i do the contouring surgery um it is thankless doing on overweight people I mean, 32 is not bad, gastric. Um, so, you know, but so when you come to see a plastic surgeon, 
if you want a um, if you if you want something done, you have to be specific about what you want done. So if you went to see a plastic surgeon and you said, "I'm uh, overweight and I and I don't want to be overweight anymore. I want to be thin," you'd probably get turned away at the door. Um, it is not how we we look at no way from 59 to 32 was douglas this is why you are the best <laughs> douglas says that to everyone you say that to everyone douglas i know it um but um i mean that's crazy gastric but well then that's excellent so then you're probably a very good candidate for body contouring surgery i would have thought um gastric 59 to 32 is a absolutely ridiculous amount of weight loss and i suspect there are areas that you would like to be tight where the skin would like to be tightened so that's what we're talking about here tightening skin not losing weight if you want to lose weight lose weight first so you know if you're being almost 32 you've gone from 59 that's ridiculous you know that's a huge congratulations on that but um if you are not happy with your bmi being 32 and you want your bmi to be lower don't go and see a plastic surgeon go and see someone who helps with weight loss. Um, once you've got your weight down, once you're stable with your weight, that's when you want to look at your plastic surgery options to tighten skin and, and to contour certain areas that have um, that have got redundant skin left behind from the weight loss or redundant pockets of fat. That is what the surgery does. It does not make you lose weight. You will not lose weight with plastic surgery you will only have body contouring and uh, for certain localized areas. Very good, gastric. Good question. Good concept. I hope I've got that across there because it is not uncommon. Well, it is actually uncommon, uh, but sometimes <laughs> it is uncommon. But sometimes people do come and say, oh, I just want to have something done. I don't want to go to the gym. You know, can't be bothered. Can't you just do a bit of lipo? And you're like, what? Well, all this, all this, you know, just do some tummy and all this. And I went to Simon, but I cannot strengthen my tummy for M. For M? Yeah, well, it's not a question of strengthening your tummy. You probably can strengthen your tummy, gastric, but BMI 59, your muscles are probably splayed apart. So you've got the muscles there, but you put your, your muscles are probably lax and straight apart. It's splayed apart. And again, plastic surgeon is not going to be able to strengthen your muscles either, to be fair. Uh, I guess a plastic surgeon will be able to bring them together and to let you see what muscles you've got there. But we won't be able to strengthen those muscles. All we can do is bring them together and make the shape of your abdominal musculature more in keeping with how it was previously. And then obviously take off that excess skin on the front of the abdomen so that you can then see the abdominal contour better. Um, but we can't give you stronger muscles. We just will be able to, um, um, you know, reveal what's already there. Yeah. ADKJJ. Use the hashtag ADKJJ, okay? ADKJJ. Thanks, Gastric. For, thanks for the question, Gastric. Good question. Oh, that was a good one, wasn't it? I knew that. Amy knew that, though. Amy knew. Amy knew something. ADKJJ yourself, Gast ADK Gastric, okay? Let's get that uh, trending. Now we've got the ADKJJ trending. We should get ADK Gastric. Fantastic. So, um, Let's go on there. Let's go on. What procedures, now, hashtag last question, um, what procedures uh, do we offer to remove separate keratosis? What's that? What's a separate keratosis to say? Do you know what? I've been 
I've been, I feel I've been a bad, I'm a bad man because I've got it on on Facebook, but I haven't got it on it. Oh God, is that is that too much? What's the case? Separate keratosis. That's the separate keratosis right there. Okay. Um, sorry, you can't see it. Basically, the separate keratosis is a like a mole essentially um, with. Uh, dry, often dry skin, often have what's called a stuck-on appearance. Um, they come as you get older. Um, you, you can have them, you can get multiple. Uh, they're benign, nothing to worry about. Um, and there's several ways to remove them. Um, they, because they're benign, uh, there are a variety of ways to removing them. I'm showing one on the screen on Facebook. Um, and uh, the one on the screen on Facebook has got a central area, which is sort of seborrheic, and then it's got a bit of a mole around it. The area is a little bit distinct, indistinct. The pigment's a little bit irregular. I was a little bit worried about this one, so I actually cut this one out so that I could send it away to, to for histology. So obviously you can cut them out, like I did with this one, and that will leave you with a linear scar. Now, if you've got multiple, um, or if you don't want to have a linear scar, then there are other ways you can do it. So you can, you can um, shave them off, you can cure it, them off, curettage, curettage and cautery. Cautery is the like burning the blood vessels. So you can scrape them off. So dermatologists often do this, just scrape them. Um, um, basically, it's just taking that top layer of the skin off. Did I say shave? So whatever you do is just sort of scraping the top layer of the skin away. Um, sometimes people will burn them with a laser. You can cool them with a liquid nitrogen. Um, so, you know, just damaging that bit of skin to take that top layer of skin to get that, to, that, that dark patch um, and, the, and the dry scaly patch off. So there are multiple ways of doing it. Um, so the question is, what procedure do we offer? So I do mainly, pretty well, mainly slash only excisional stuff. So I do stuff with a knife. So I would cut, I would shave it or I would cut it out. Um, things like cryotherapy with the, the, the freezing, well, the dermatologists will do a lot more of the non-surgical type stuff, freezing. Uh, laser um, um, curatage um, dermatologists will be able to do that sort of things um, which are probably better for multiple so if you've got a lot of multiple separate keratosis probably better to see a dermatologist if you've just got one or two and you're if you're worried about them if they're changing if they're bleeding if they're itching if they're if there's any concern there might be cancer then it might be best to cut it off which is something that we would do in our in our place but um, yeah so cutting and shaving is what we would tend to do um, but there are several other, other options available. So that is it. I can hear in the back of my ear, Bake Off is next door, I think. So I think I'm going to go and see what's going on there. But if I missed it, not that I'm not a big fan. It's just the family like it. So, so. I want to make out that I do like it because I don't like it that much. But this is nice to sit down, isn't it? So I'm going to go and watch a bit of TV. But if you've got any questions, I'm, I'm open. Have a question not covered in today's show? Then send it over to info at styanoplasticsurgery.co.uk using the hashtag AskJJ. We'd love to hear from you.